Kabooch. I would, I'm trying to do that with rhythm, speech, jamming myself. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the official podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. We are a three-brother video game studio, and uh, this, is our, this is our podcast. Uh, I'm Seth. I'm Adam. And I'm Sam. And uh, you can find our games at games.bscotch.net. We also have an excellent community over at forums.bscotch.net. And uh, if you want to get some questions and sort of sway the future discussion of the podcast, then you can head over to podcast.bscotch.net and submit questions and vote for other people's questions. And before we get started, we have a disclaimer. This show is not for young people, uh, children... Probably even teenagers, adolescents, maybe even adults. Um, so uh, there's it, it, it gets real messy. Our target audience here. is very small. Our target audience is basically the extreme elderly, like yes. well yeah. over ninety, and they're small again because they're so old that they're hunched over. They've begun to shrink. Yeah, yeah. so we're we're trying to hit that you know above ninety yet super interested in video games uh, demographic, which is a it's a pretty small slice of the pie. It is, but it is growing, I hear. I've, I've heard that that trend is, is on the up and up. It's growing, but it's also shrinking for, <laughs> for other reasons. Um, so it's a, it's a tough market, but we're doing our best, you guys. Uh, so what's, uh, what's been happening over the past week? What has been, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start talking about what's happening. Do it! And say that I am diseased as fuck. What? And... Uh, which I guess that's really the end of the story. But if you hear a bunch of great, great sniffling, story. it's probably me. If you hear coughing, it's either me or Sam. So, and, and if you hear biceps flexing, that's me. That's definitely Seth. What's the sound of one bicep flexing, Seth? It, it kind of sounds like meat. <laughs> I, 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 I want hear you try to do it. Just try to do it into the microphone. I, I do, did you hear it? I'm, I'm doing it. Anyways. I think, you, I think you need bigger biceps such that they cause a sonic clap like a mantis shrimp. Yeah. <laughs> that would be uh, so i can stun my prey <laughs> the prey being the pile of meat that you eat for lunch every day yeah i did eat i did eat half a dozen eggs and half a pound of chicken just actually now. there is that like that that hammer thing that you smash meat with to tenderize it right i you believe it's a, it's a tenderizer it's a tenderizer probably got, a tenderizer. i got one of those bad boys in my kitchen you mean on your biceps uh, you yeah, mean your yeah. biceps well, I mean, I keep it, bad boys yes um, yeah, and so Sam, Sam hasn't been sleeping for like a week now. Well, yeah, so, you know, I, I was more diseased than Adam was, right? Technically. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, you're, you're on the extreme end of being diseased. <laughs> Technically. So, because, because I just finished my <laughs> cancer treatment and my stem cell, uh, transplant, I got a new immune system and it's apparently allergic mildly to St. Louis. So. It uh, being your new immune system. Yeah. So I Which now a, is you. You're now allergic. Correct. Yeah, so nice. now I have a, have a slight tickle in my throat all the time. And then when I try to go to bed, it's like it knows. And it's and like, fuck it's you, you don't get to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I try it to go to bed. lurks in the shadows. And as soon as I lay down, I just start coughing like a like a smoker. It's horrible. Oh, well, <laughs> at least Maybe, you're not a smoker. Yeah, true. Maybe they came from the lungs of a smoker. I mean, that doesn't make any sense biologically, but maybe that's what happened anyway. <laughs> maybe it is. You, there you go. You inherit the traits of the person. I hope they were good. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you also slowly morph into them, like in the fly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. so you're going to turn into a chronic smoker over time, I think is what's going to happen. Because yeah. of this weird uh, lack of sleep thing, basically what happens is I just have to, before bed, whenever I go to bed, I have to cough for like an hour and a half straight, and then suddenly I sleep. And at that when point, you say suddenly, do you mean like in like you'll be in the midst of a cough and all of a sudden your head just slams I mean, onto the pillow? I don't know. You know, I'm you're at that point. I'm so exhausted. I'm just out of it. So I, th- I think it's pretty instantaneous when it happens. Um, well, it's definitely throwing a wrench into things. Sam's sleep schedule has shifted by seven hours. Yeah. So I wake up around 11, um, 11. I guess not seven hours, five hours. Yeah. 11 or 12. And then I go to bed around three. Um, yeah, that's rough. Which is actually great. Honestly. I've been oh, never mind. Um, actually, I don't feel, know. I was on a schedule like that, and I hated it. Man, I don't know something about it because you get like you get like six hours of just you time at night. Yeah, you're if, you're, if working, you're awake in the middle of the night and you're trying to get work done, that's a really good time to get work done. Yeah, Sam, I think you time is trademarked by AT and T, so be careful. All right, uh, me what time. You, say there? you yeah, get lots better. of me. So wait, there's FaceTime, there's you time. Nobody has me time yet. Uh, maybe it's uh, also. About.me has that, maybe? Could be. Did you even know that was a thing? Do you remember About.me? I think people no. still use that for some reason. Do they? I have one because I was like, hey, this is a thing that exists now. And then I got it. And then that was the end. I think they the just end. take advantage of the fact that everybody feels the need to claim their name on everything. Yeah. You know, it's just like the internet. Pretty effective. Yeah. How could, people yeah. like people like talking about themselves. Speaking yeah. of talking about yourselves, let's talk about ourselves. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, We've been working Wait, isn't on. Isn't that what we've been doing? Oh yeah, that's the whole point. Of Let's all continue this. to talk about ourselves. Uh, Crashlands. Yeah, the bosses are done. Uh, so because I've been staying up until three in the morning, um, I finished the, the art final for the bosses. bosses. Yeah, the, the art art for the bosses is all done, which means the vast majority. There's probably like an hour and a half or two of art left for various odds and ends that by the actually whole know game, end, which is f- fucking crazy. Yeah. It is. I mean, this is a this is a serious milestone. This is a two year project, and all the art's pretty much done. <laughs> it, it will be a two year project by the time it launches. Yeah, yeah. And the art but. was a continuous subset of that project for the entire two year period. So, right. I mean, that was Sam. That was your full time job for two years was to make art for Crashlands. And now you're fired. Uh-huh. Oh, right. <laughs> now we don't need anymore. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Shit. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't know the terms <laughs> of this you? appointment were so. Flimsy. Always remember, you have to make yeah. yourself essential for the proper functioning of a business. Otherwise, they'll just fire you. Yeah, we are going to need you to sign off on your own firing, though, uh, since you are your own boss. <laughs> That's so, true. Well, I guess you could, if you could do that, if you could maybe come in on Saturday. You, um, <laughs> send me the paperwork. Come so, in on Saturday. And yeah, so otherwise, though, we've been uh, just finishing up a bunch of stuff, and it's, it's just cruising along. But uh, today, we wanted to we wanted to just slam crush... Some questions. It we're sounds gonna like a, a beverage. We're going to have a Sam question. Crush. Question apocalypse. Question again. Question Gazi. Question. Question Gazi. We're going to have a question Gazi. Question gate. What else is there? Um, so for those of you guys who are kind of new to the podcast, we take questions through podcast.bscotch.net from uh, mostly from people in the Bscotch ID network, but also sometimes anonymously. Um, so, and then people vote for each other's questions and then whichever ones tend to float to the top, we, we just, we tend to answer, we tend to answer them. So let's, let's tend to these questions. Okay. Uh, all right. So first question is from Mia Kitty. 
Having now attempted a larger project, do you think it's something you're likely to repeat or are you just hanging, just hanging to go back to the jam games of yesteryear? I'm going to read hanging is longing. Or hank, longing? hankering. Hankering. I hankering. hankering. I'm getting Here's my first question though about this question, which is why is attempted in quotes? Yeah, Mia Kitty, what the fuck is with those quotes? Because we're going to finish it. Is that what that means? Yeah. Having now quote attempted? That's like someone being like, Hey, you did really great in air quotes. <laughs> she's insinuating that we aren't trying that. Or maybe she's yes. insinuating oh. that we're bad at attempting because we're going to complete it. Much like Yoda says, you know, there is no try. There is no There's attempt. Only, only do. Or do not was the other part of that, though. Right. That was actually how he said it. <laughs> <laughs> do or do not, there is no try. Yeah, um, yeah I think... I think what we're going to do is sort of land somewhere in the middle. Uh, but because closer to knowing the what we project. know now. Yeah, I mean, knowing what we know now, um, we could definitely make a much bigger game, you know, much faster than we used to. But I think our ideas are big enough and our skills are getting good enough now that we could probably do a, like a six-month project and make something, you know, three or four times the size of what we had in Quadrupus or Talifite, which were three-month projects. Right. Um, and we want to, we want to try some multiplayer stuff. And so I think the, the reason that Crashlands has gotten so long is that we didn't, and, and we've talked about this in previous uh, episodes, so I'll just kind of touch on it, but we didn't really have a core design concept for the game. We just started throwing stuff in. It's the difference between building a world versus building a game, really. Um, because the game, a game is centered around a mechanic. You know, like platforming or shooting animals in the face, whatever. Um, right. And instead of doing that first, we started with essentially trying to build a place. And it just turns out that if you want to build a whole world, it just takes a while longer. Yeah. It takes a, it takes a long while because a world feels totally empty until it's full. Right. So this we talk about this with uh, with simulation games actually a little bit where. There's this weird thing if you've if you've ever tried to make a simulation game or played if you played something like The Sims or SimCity any of those sort of sim games, um, there's this weird thing that happens in the development of those, which is that they're actually they're strangely not fun for about at about all like eighty percent of the development because all you have to do is you have to just pack it and pack it and pack it full of content before those all those systems sort of tie together. Every system needs to be there for the game to to work. Otherwise, it's just kind of like eh. And so Crashlands, interestingly, because it's it has a world and and because it's actually I guess it is more of more in line with the development of a sim in that sense, um, just because of how big it is and how reliant each system is on each on each other. Uh, it just took a lot, lot longer to, to do than we had really anticipated. Yeah, so I, I imagine we'll probably be doing a little more action oriented games and with with tighter systems and stuff, but yeah, we'll still flesh them out and do interesting things with yeah. them and we will be doing the but, uh, the scatter jam this weekend which will be our first our first actual sort of jamming experience since last since narwhal online last year since yeah, last October. A whole year ago um so i think all of us are definitely hankering to get back to the the speed of those smaller projects uh however i think we all have we all have ideas that are too big for the small projects to be able to easily handle so i think it'll be a good mix of both but i will say i think I'm not, I'm not 100% on this, but I think we're going to do some Twitch streaming of our uh, Scatter Jam dev Although stuff. We, we got a request for that. We could do uh, this new YouTube gaming thing and stream onto YouTube. Oh, instead. yeah. 
Mm. You could do that. We do have a YouTube channel. We also have a documentary crew that's actually going to be following us around this weekend. And by following us around, I mean, I think, like, pointing cameras at us while we sit in silence, <laughs> coding into a garden. And then they'll probably put some, you know, pretty, some chilled out music over yeah. it. Like, in the arms of nature. <laughs> hopefully, actually, they'll turn it into a science montage, like CSI style. Mm, or Team America. Mm, Team America style. Get a, yeah, get a close-up. It would, be, it would actually be pretty fucking rad if they made a montage where they followed us to the, uh, you know, the theme announcement or whatever. And then we're like, let's get to work. And then some <laughs> badass rock music starts. And then it just kind of clips to yeah, us. And they take, have these like little tiny one second clips of you like plugging in your keyboard via the USB port. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you ever see the movie Hot Fuzz? Yes. Yeah. That's exactly this. You know those. About. Yeah, yeah. Those scenes when like he's just like putting on his vest or something. But it's like he sticks his key in the locker and like turns yeah, it, exactly. zooms in and he rips the it. Because you use that constantly zooming in clip right where you like you look at the keyboard with oh, yeah. hands on it, and then you zoom in on their hands super hard yeah and it's like whoa yep. then you just need some fat like 80s style sort of synth beats underneath mm-hmm. it and you're good to go so we're gonna we're gonna probably have i don't i don't know how they're gonna release that thing that documentary that they're doing yeah, sure. uh, we'll, we'll have more information about that next week we may even do a blog post Ooh, what uh, uh, we'll yeah. also be doing the indie speed run as our Scatter Jam game. So for those who aren't familiar, the Indie Speed Run is a global competition that happens in October. You basically hit a button that gives you 48 hours and a theme, uh, and then make a game based on that theme. And you can win prizes and stuff. And we got second place whenever we did it last year. Was it last year? Two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. They didn't have it last year. Um, We got second place uh, the first time we did it, and so we were going to take another crack at it this year with with our Scatter Jam game. And that was with a game called Shep Hard, which actually is playable somewhere on the internet. It's a there's a link to it on our on our games page. Actually, we got a video, yeah. well, and it's at least there's Shep Hard is extremely hard. Uh, That's why it's called it's Shep also Hard. Hilarious, and uh, there's a video of us playing it. Which, if you like let's plays and stuff, you'll probably get a lot of entertainment out of. And I will say too that we actually so we've done a lot of jamming since then. We've gotten a lot better. But also, Sam, you were super tired during that. Uh, was it before? It was two weeks. It was two weeks before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to just, we're just going to blow the lid off the whole thing's face balls this face time. Face balls. Isn't that one of those aliens in Men in Black? He's got like balls on his chin. Uh, I think it's a ball chin. <laughs> Indian. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. Bragg Birch 66 asks, will you give extra content or something for those who pre-order the Crashlands game on the PC ports? Uh, well, so I'll take this one. So, no. But, yes. Nice. Uh, so, we, we've actually, we're not necessarily giving extra content. It's more like when we get new, uh, the people who pre-ordered already got uh, the big wallpaper from the bog section of the game. So, currently, the, the current wallpaper that you guys have seen is the uh, Savannah one with Flux sort of standing there overlooking this thing. And there's there's a bog one that is complete, um, which we have not shared with the sort of greater the greater world yet. Um, and we've actually shared that and passed it on to all the people who pre-order the game. So we don't because we're such a small team. If we, I mean, we want to give people good value for their money, certainly. But if there's, a, it's more like opening up a line of communication and giving them stuff a little bit early rather than creating a separate line of things. Because if we do that, then we start delaying the launch of the game, which seems like a worse proposition for them and for everybody else. So, Well, and there's another concept, too. So I actually, 
just uh, on a point of principle, really strongly dislike pre-order game content because mm. what that does is it makes it so that anybody who buys a game afterwards so say say you're somebody who just happened to not hear that that game existed or it's a $60 game for example Fallout 4 right uh, that you got to save up money for so you don't have money at the time that it goes on pre-order or whatever then when you finally do get the game now there's some piece of content that you never get to experience yes or even and to me that's just it's just a big like fuck you to, to future fans <laughs> well know. even weirder is when you have a pre-order and they they list out a whole bunch of stuff and like here's all the stuff you're gonna get like you're gonna get this gun and here's like a thing you get to ride and here's, but, but the, the problem is you haven't played the game so yeah you don't so really you don't even know what the value is. yeah you don't know whether those things are even worth anything or if you shouldn't give a crap or yeah, I mean, we, were, we were thinking about it and uh i mean there's there's all sorts of there's all, all sorts of stuff that we could make and then give, but but Crashlands is quite a bit different from most other uh, games. If we were, I mean, if we were doing like a sequel or something, I'd be more comfortable with the idea of doing it because people would understand essentially what the content was going to be like, so they could make a better guess as to whether or not it's something they want. But if True. we say, "Hey, uh, we'll give you this trinket um, that does this thing in Crashlands," uh, my problem with that is then we have to, you know, people have to understand what a trinket is, and then on top of that, there are like like 27 trinkets in the game and you only have four slots for them. So if we just add another one, uh, you see well, what, then what like, do you balance, do you balance the game around the person having that trinket or around not having yeah, that trinket? Yeah, that's right. the problem, is that if you add something as bonus content that changes functionality of the game that only a subset of players get, then necessarily you've skewed the balance of the game in some direction or, yeah, or another. So I, mean, like, so I think cause I got that for fallout three or no fallout new Vegas. I pre-ordered and got their bonus content, which is like, shotgun. A, uh, some, yeah, you get a shotgun right when you start and some other stuff. And in the, you know, in the long haul, it doesn't actually really affect your game very much because it, it dramatically makes it makes the beginning dramatically easier. But that, you know, it goes away pretty quickly. Uh, and so, I mean, for me, that was like... It's it was like kind the Beastgod Chammer nice. and Quadrupus. Yeah, it's like the Beastgod Chammer, right? It's like, it gives you a little something, but uh, it doesn't break the rest of the game. But some things actually can. And even still, one would think that they designed the beginning of the game expecting to be at a certain difficulty level and then if they just give you a shotgun right off the bat then for sure that disrupts the original intention right. of the i mean game. what we have talked about is instead of so essentially what, what we the way we think about pre-orders is more of a sort of either exclusive not exclusive access to content earlier uh before launch so in the case of this wallpaper idea um and we've been kicking around the idea i'm not sure if we've actually settled on it but as far as beta goes of actually sending the people who pre-ordered uh some beta invites um just because of the fact that, like, it'd be a cool thing to do, you know? Yeah, and the, and the yeah, then the reason we haven't promised that is because we don't know how any of that yeah, stuff so works. Yeah, so we gotta figure the technicalities out. So we might do it, but we also might not. We may, we may not, and in any event, it'll be it'll still be like the the temporary beta copies that go out. It won't be a, it won't be an early access to the game in its final form or anything like that. Yeah, but I think at, at the very least, you know, what we do guarantee is that if you if you do pre order now, we will. Uh, give you negative fifteen dollars. Yeah. Well, we will. Well, yeah, yeah. we that will put a so hole in the bank account. That's some con- that's some exclusive content uh, that nobody else gets at the moment. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. in, until it launches, but uh, you should. I mean, bear in mind that when you do pre-order it, uh, if you if you like our studio and what we do, then you extend the the lifeline of our studio. Since we're, I mean, the fact is, right now we're cash strapped. Oh yeah, it turns out. Well, I mean, it, it doesn't really turn out. I mean, we haven't been able to launch a game effectively in like two years. <laughs> yeah, it just is a fact that we are we are cash strapped. Uh, and 
and and we'll, and we and we know that's all going to be fine so we're not worried about it but the pre-orders to date have actually been enough to pay one of our salaries for a whole right, month which is nice yay thanks 117 people that's great yeah cuz we're basically we're not even breaking even anymore we're just chewing up our our company uh, savings yeah. so so that's a yeah it's a great way to support the studio if you like the kind of thing and to get access to to get early access to not game content but sort of uh, meta other content. cool content. Yeah. yeah, other cool stuff. All right. So Mia Kitty asks again, well, again, Mia Kitty. She's again our number one Australia fan. Um, yeah, she for a while she was on the top of almost every question list and then she kind of fell off for a while. Yeah, but now she's right back up there. Now she's back. Uh, so Mia Kitty asks, so Seth does writing plots? Sam does the art and Adam does the programming? Who is back up for whom? <laughs> As in, what is your secondary function? Do Seth and Adam sometimes do art? Has Sam done coding and programming? Mm. Okay, so here's the actual setup. Uh, let's clear this up. Let's clear the air, because it's foggy in here. Uh, I do game programming, and Adam does web programming, and Sam does art. So those are our number one functions. Yeah. Those are the functions that basically none of us can really work on the other stuff in if that makes correct sense. those are our exclusive functions yes. when it comes to storytelling and writing plots and stuff uh we kind of share the load on that and it pretty much depends on who has the free brain space and time to do it so uh in previous games i've written the dialogue we came up with the story together and then i wrote the dialogue um, in Crashlands, adam and sam are writing the whole story well, Sam drafted the whole story, and then I'm rewriting the whole thing. Right, and then Sam's now writing all the. There's yeah, it's a lot of a lot of shared randomness, I guess. I mean, basically, because what it comes down to is that Seth is going to be working on game programming all the way up to and after launch. Yeah, and after. Um, and Adam Adam actually has a way more flexible uh role as far as web programming because, like the art, uh, his stuff has more of a sort of done feel to it. Um. And so, well, that and we decided to shift. We, we told we announced this in a previous podcast, but we decided to shift the creator part of Crashlands to uh, the first patch for the game, right? Instead of at launch, which has definitely moved up launch a bunch because of Adam's work already on the on the story stuff. Oh yeah, it would um, take it would it would add an easily another month, yeah. uh, before we could launch it for, for sure. of development and then more testing, right? Yeah. So um, it kind of it kind of then falls down to. Because of the new tools that we can make with Adam's web programming skills, uh, Seth no longer has to put every line of dialogue handwritten into the game, which is where the split now comes. So before, he was the one who had to put it in anyways, and so it would be kind of silly for me to work up like a screenplay and then have him copy-paste it in. Yeah, I mean, if you open uh, up uh, like the Quadrupus Rampage game maker file, all the story stuff is hand-coded. Uh, yeah. In Crashlands, all the story stuff is automatically create or generated into a campaign file by our web tool, and then the game interprets that file. So it's it's made things way easier. It's a different kind of beast, but I will say though that so so my we all have actually a kind of a similar writing style overall, except that we we cover a spectrum where Seth is on the absurd extreme, and I'm on the serious extreme. And Sam sort of like wavers around in the middle, depending on depending on my mood. I vacillate. Yeah, my writing yeah. is is fairly deranged. It's fairly deranged, <laughs> which makes it hilarious. I, 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 anytime Seth puts together a a test 
um, a test quest in Crashlands, for example. It's always just hilarious nonsense, mm-hmm. and so it is kind of sad that we won't have. I don't, we, we're gonna we're gonna need to bring him in, I think, to make some. Side I'll probably do some side quests. Or or here's the thing that we could do when we launch the creator, we could launch that along with because at that point, Seth, you won't have to be like. Uh, it's true. I can make my own campaign. So we could make Seth's. We could make Seth's ins- insane campaign or something. <laughs> Uh, that could fun. work. That could we could do that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So I think I think it basically comes down to we each have like a very specific role that we don't overlap in, and we don't like. I never do web stuff. Sam never does game programming. Adam and I never do art. Um. So nope. so we we're, we've specialized pretty heavily, and then we just kind of fill in whatever gaps come up around those things. Yeah. Yeah, and we can all dabble if if it's just absolutely necessary. But our dabbling in any of the exclusive domains of others is just so slow. Yeah, but it's I think, slow and it's terrible. Yeah, and that's really what it comes yeah. down to is we've gotten we've gotten each good enough at our individual thing that like if I were to go, I'm gonna go into the database and and edit. It would take me weeks to figure it yeah. out. You know, it's it's just better for me to just go, hey Adam, I need this thing to happen in the database. To be like, all right. And right. then eight and then, the nice later, thing about it is, though, that since since all of us have done all of the jobs, like I've done web programming at some point, I've, I've programmed a game maker at some point, and now I do the art. And so, and Seth, with you, you did a bunch of art before, and then yep. you do games programming, which of course maps to web in some some regards. And Adam with doing the web programming and the game programming. It's like we all we've we've shared enough of each other's functions at some point that we have a way uh, we way understand more it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and that's actually super important. So you don't have to be able to do the things that people on your team, for whatever project you're doing, you don't have to be able to do those things, but you do need to understand them at some fundamental level so that when you ask them to do something, you really understand what you're asking. Right. So you don't have to say things like, why don't you just yeah. why don't you just make the game 3D instead <laughs> of 2D? And have multiplayer. Just put multiplayer in. There's a checkbox. Uh <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think it's a pretty good setup. Like if you're going to put together a, a three-person team for a, like an indie studio or something, if you're thinking of doing that, um, yeah, you have a, you have a game maker, a tool craftsman, and an art person. Yes, yeah, and that's it. Uh, okay, Nia asks: Will side quests be procedurally generated, or will they be limited in number? No. Well, it was it was an or questions. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> no to the first part. <laughs> Um, uh, so yeah. we, we, we've done a lot of procedural generation. Um, we tried to do procedurally generated quests. That's uh, what I was going to talk about with Captain. Yes. Which I think doesn't, nobody oh, knows yeah. that it exists because it was terrible. Oh. Actually, we announced it and then we just. We announced it. It got picked up by a few gaming news sites and then we slowly smothered it under a pillow and didn't, <laughs> didn't say a word about it ever again. Yeah. Somebody asked us about it recently. We were like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's uh, it was a space RPG kind of a game, um, and the idea was that we we were going to try to take procedural generation to the max, and that included quests. So you you're going to be in a procedurally generated galaxy, um, of effectively infinite stars, and each star was going to have you know up to twelve planets or space stations or whatever floating around it. And you would just kind of explore this universe. And it actually had a similar concept to Crashlands in that uh, as you moved further away from your starting point, things got more intense and difficult. But we found that the randomly generated quests 
made everything feel dumb and pointless. <laughs> well, yeah, the only way to make a randomly generated quest that makes sense is to make it dumb and pointless. Well, well, yeah, but that's that's you basically know? the problem. The question is, what's the purpose? What is the purpose of a quest or a side quest? Right. And I think we used to just say, oh, well, it's it's a it needs to just give you a reason to do stuff. Or it needs yes, to actually, it's a thing to do. It's actually, reward. Let, me, let me revise that. The old version was, it needs to give you something to do. Yeah. And I think with our new thinking, after working on Crashlands, it actually just needs to give you a good reason for doing something. For doing the stuff you already were going to do in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> and the problem with procedurally generating quests is it fulfills the first part. But it, what you end up getting is you end up getting this, essentially this, this list of like stupid work orders that don't, they don't do anything. They don't mean anything. They don't do anything. So who gives a And crap? they have no consequence in the, exactly. in the sense got, that- There's like, no meaning. Yeah. So doing doing the side quests, we can change the world and stuff and one quest- like, So in storytelling, it's like one event leads to another event and things get more interesting as they get more complicated and it's all sequential. If you have procedurally generated quests, which are basically, basically like Mad Libs, which is kind of what we had- yeah, um, yeah. Where you have like we have some kind of quest templates, and then you kind of fill in the locations and the characters and stuff. Um, it is super complicated to try to set that up in such a way that they can then lead to new quests in a sensible way. Um, I, yeah, you can't tell an entire story via a series of randomly generated quests. Well, I don't. I don't think you can say you can't, but I think it would be an an astronomically insane achievement. Because there's there's a lot of sort of I don't want to say science, but there's a lot of sort of theories about you know how good stories are structured and all that stuff, and there's definitely some logic to it. But yeah, definitely, uh, and I think you could program it, but it would be it would be really fucking hard. I think it would always end up a little soulless though, because the point is that it's a, the point is that it needs to have it needs to have consequence, and it needs to have sort of like the the very nature of of taking it from. A amorphous blob to a sort of logical programmed piece removes, I think, something sort of essential about the storytelling thing, which is that it's completely unique, right? Yeah, I mean, if if there was a formula to telling stories, then to telling good stories, then we'd already have robots doing it. For right. Us. Well, there's a formula <laughs> in a in a sort of meta sense, right? Which is like. Uh, yeah, guy has problem introduction, right, exposition, right, exactly. rising action, climax, resolution, and I think yeah. that's why people think that maybe you could just make a programmatic template for it, and you can, but the story ends up being shitty. So the point is like something's not being captured by that model, obviously. Yeah, and, and of course, when yeah. we were working on that with Captain, we we were playing around with it, and that was and actually the procedurally generated quest system was something that we highlighted as an like the feature of the game. And that, right. and everybody who wrote about it was like, yeah, this is great. Like infinite replayability. And the more we played it, we were like, yeah, I mean, technically, but it's <laughs> infinite right. shitty replayability. Right. So then we, right. then we just scrapped the whole thing. And yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, like when we came up with the, the way that the creator works for, for telling stories and, and doing questing in Crashlands, we sat down over, you know, numerous multi hour meetings to figure out, you know, what is, what is the functional unit of, of a, of a story system, right? That is simple enough that you can turn it into a unit and yet complicated enough that you can tell pretty much any story you want with it. Mm-hmm. And it took us a long time to come up with something that ended up actually being fairly simple in terms of being able to pull off that task, like as simple as we could come up with. 
But while Sam and I have been using it, holy shit, is it hard to to use? I mean, yeah, it's it really the, takes the a logical, while. yeah, like the logical complexity is crazy, even when you're using a, a relatively simple tool. So imagining how we would take that thing that we already spent a ton of time figuring out how it would work in the first place, and then figuring out how to teach a computer to do that for us, like we we might as well just write infinite stories ourselves. I gotta right? say though, now that we're talking about this, I'm I'm feeling a challenge. I feel like. I feel this, you know, I just feel a challenge accepted kind of a thing. Like I want to, <laughs> I want to try to write a story creating engine that actually creates good stories. I mean, if you could do that, holy shit. Good stories. Wait, in the context of a game, you're still talking? Well, like, I think, I think the generically. starting point would be just telling a good story in general and then trying to find a way to adapt it to a game. I'm going to go ahead and let somebody else. <laughs> yeah, that's not, that's not accept that challenge. <laughs> challenge denied. All right, some some hobbyist out there with a lot of free time, go go do I mean, there this. There are people. There are, there are lots of people trying to do it already, and many people a hell of a lot smarter than me about that very problem. So, I'm can you imagine though, like if you have that. a robot servant at your house, you know, and you're like, spin me a yard, and and, the, and you'll be like, oh, I need my robot to put the kids to bed, and the kids would be like, hey, Robotron thirty three thousand, tell me a story. Tell me a bedtime story. <laughs> and the robot would be like, okay, and then it'll just it make is- up some fucking great story because it has a program to do it but then instead of having a cultural touchstone that the children can talk to other children it'll be a procedurally generated random it'll be a useless story (laughs) that they can't connect with anybody else but the robot and then later in their life the kids would be like oh man do you guys remember when you were kids and and your robot nanny would tell you stories about the they'd be like what the fuck are you talking about (laughs) i got completely different here's the other thing though there are there currently exist already effectively infinite stories that are good. There's enough stories. by actual humans. And you don't have enough time in your goddamn life to read all of those, you know? So, like, why generate infinitely many more of them? Oh, speaking of good stories, The Martian. Oh, yeah, The Martian. It came out this weekend. Also, it's good. Fuck yes, it's good. Uh, I read a review from somebody who didn't like it. And they said that they thought in the first 20 minutes, they were like, I see where this is going. And they walked out of the theater, which I feel like if you live your life like that, then well, who cares? You're going to have a hard time. <laughs> I don't care about that person's opinion. Me neither. They start driving. To I, work I read like, the first. Pa- I know where I'm going. I'm just going to get out. And do <laughs> I read ride. the first paragraph of that review and I was like, nah, I see where this is going. And then I closed it. So, um, okay. The cacti uh, God asks. If one of the B. Scotch brothers were to leave, what would you or do die. for work? Well, Nobody's dying. Well, if one of us were to die, then <laughs> no downers, they would Sam. probably not do a lot of work. Probably not. So, yeah, I, would, I don't think uh, the question yeah. applies in that case. <laughs> I feel like that's what he's actually asking, just just for the record. Yeah. If Sam, maybe if somebody dies, hypothetically, I what think, would no, you do I think for what work? he's asking is, if one of us were to leave, what would that person do instead? Not like, what would the rest of us do? Uh, <laughs> uh, Sam, I think, I think your mood is just too dark for this question. Yeah, maybe, your maybe Sam's just... sleep deprivation is really it's permeating his brain. Life is a void. Okay, well, let's hit, uh, let's hit it. Okay. Answer it. Somebody, somebody start. Somebody answer this question. What would you do? I can start. I'll do it. What would you do, Adam? So, I guess this basically, this falls into two categories. There is... If I left because I was now a 10 millionaire or 100 millionaire, 
That, that's one situation. The other one a is we couldn't get it to work, and so I we gave up. So either you leave with $100 million or zero. Or nothing, yeah. So if I leave with infinite money, then probably what I would do is whatever the fuck I want, which includes <laughs> uh, writing uh, a novel. Because I still have this novel that I, that I have drafted half of, and I would like to actually just sit down and rewrite. Uh, but, you know, we're too busy making games all the time. So if all of a sudden I had infinite money and just left which is not what is likely to happen. But if I did, then I'd probably write my novel. I guess it does depend on the, on the conditions for leaving. Yeah. If you left with $0, then what? If I left with $0, then maybe I'd make use of my science degree, you know? Ugh. Yeah. I'd probably go do product development for a company or something like that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Could be fun. If you could find a good company. Well, that's always that's always the problem, right? Yeah, because that good company is somewhat oxymoronic. Can't trust any of these people like you can trust your bros. Yeah. 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 I would go... Actually, shit, what I what should do, I do, I don't know what I would is do. have children and then raise them to be old enough that they can be my colleagues and then start a company with them. That's probably what I would mm, do. There you go. That would take some time, but... It would, be, it, would, it would take a little while, but it would be a good investment, I think. I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. What would you do, Sam? Do you do product development? Uh, I'd either do product development or I think I would maybe try writing as a thing. I think it'd be fun. Hmm. I would, uh, I don't know. Like my, so much of my life up until starting Butterscotch was like me trying to get to the point of doing that, that I just haven't really thought about it. What I would do outside of games. I'd probably, probably just go work yeah. in another game studio. Right. Yeah. I mean, really, the, the fact is that none of us intend to leave. Yeah. And, and that's true, even if we get really successful and are, you know, making enough income and all that kind of stuff, support ourselves for into the foreseeable future. What we would do is just keep on finding new awesome things to do within the umbrella of Butterscotch. So, I don't know. We're all in it for the long haul. Damn right. Uh, okay then. Uh, so Ulner Evern asks, do you record the podcast before, during, or after your coffee? Because keep it this way, I like the crazy digressions. Smiley face. It's usually after my afternoon cup of coffee. Well, let me tell, let me tell you something. What? I had a, I had a cup of coffee, uh, right, right in front of me, in fact. And as I was about to start drinking it for the pot to prep for the podcast, a fly landed in it. And, pr- and spread its fly bacteriums <laughs> all over dirty, the place. How dirty do you think fly actually is? You always see them washing their hands, you know? Yeah, but what are they washing them with? Because they're so small that surface tension wouldn't allow liquids to come off of themselves. Exactly. So they have to be using... Friction. They're just burning. They're just... Off. Off. <laughs> <laughs> they're just rubbing You see it. the, like, smoke, <laughs> smoke clouds coming off of flies. Every time, yeah. every time a fly washes its hands, a forest fire starts. maybe that is the cause of forest fires it is maybe that's why we can prevent them is just by swatting flies fly murder yep that's what Smokey the bear was getting at all those years ago speaking of natural disasters been a little clearer what south carolina is it in ocean now it is getting just it's just getting destroyed you mean it's damp it's pretty damp it's damp uh I don't. I think it's surpassed the damp point. <laughs> they got seventeen. It's, it's gone into full on moist. They got seventeen inches of rain in seventeen hours. Oh my god! There, I saw uh, some pictures. For those of you who do metric, that's like a hundred meters. Yeah, 
No, I think it's 100 kilometers. Minutes. Um, That's right. Or no, yeah. wait, let me think. Uh, it's 100 It's 100 liters. They right. got 100 yeah. liters of rain in 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw a picture of an apartment complex. They have a parking lot and they had some cars in there. And the tops of the cars were like three inches out of the water. Oh, my God. So they're in like four feet of water in some places. Their rivers are overflowing. So how many dams have broken? Like 12? Or 18 or 18, yeah. I don't know. Uh, some multiple of six. Surprisingly, I, I don't want to downplay it, but only nine people have died so far from this, which is, I, I mean, it's a very low number considering how ridiculous, how it, ridiculous is. it is. Yeah. This is uh, like the streets Joaquin, are being right? washed away. Uh, I don't know. I think it's Hurricane... Hurricane Joaquin, and well, then what I read was that there's a there's a storm that was just sitting over South Carolina, anyways, and because of Joaquin coming up the coast a little oh, bit, it like fused. Joaquin was feeding that storm, but that storm yeah. wasn't moving anywhere. Yeah, it's just been just parked like, there. And this is actually the problem is because mm-hmm. when a hurricane comes, it creates a storm surge where there's a there's a low pressure system near the center of the hurricane. And the pressure is low enough that it causes the sea level at that point to rise like 10 feet. So when a hurricane comes in, it just like brings a higher sea level with it. And when the hurricane leaves, the water tends to retreat, right? What are you, a meteorologist? Yeah. How do you know this, Seth? <laughs> because I was really interested in what happened when Katrina hit. So I did a bunch of reading about why it is the case that when a hurricane comes mm-hmm. and everything just is underwater all of Are a sudden. Are you sure it's not because hurricanes channel the gravity from the moon? Well, it's also the case that in the- use that to pull You know how there's like the, the eye of the storm and how it spirals? Like it actually spirals because there's a black hole in the middle. Oh yeah, in the center of it. Yeah. What about those sharks that it throws out periodically? Uh, oh yeah. The, well, I mean, if you have enough chainsaws, sharks. then it's not that big of a deal. So right. just stand uh, your ground, stand your feet yeah. firmly. But that's got to be a sharp chainsaw to be able to cut through. <laughs> A shark moving at, you know. In fact, it would have to be a frictionless chainsaw. Yeah, well, another alternative, though, (laughs) uh, an an alternative to having the chainsaw be really sharp is to just turn it on, and then that works also. Uh, I don't know, man. So, Okay, if it's going at infinite speed, then that would also work. But then when it caught the thing, then it would fling you into the sky. (laughs) (laughs) So you'd basically, you'd steal the momentum of the shark, so the shark would become stationary, and you would go flying, just like a billiard ball. Well, I guess your arms and the chainsaw probably would go flying. Or I guess you without your arms. (laughs) No, your arms would stay where they are. (laughs) You would go go flying. As a torso into the stratosphere. That's what would happen. Yeah, that's probably what would happen. Stratosphere. Sphere. That sounds like real science. Mm -hmm. All right, well, I'm glad we solved that. Um, Okay, so Gafferman asks... How will the transition from – oh, this is a Crashlands question. How will mm. the transition from one biome to the next work in Crashlands? And how do you plan on keeping players out of areas slash biomes they're not ready for? Mm. Should, I, well, so, should I answer this one? Uh, sure. Do sure. Yeah, you go for it. Okay. The way that you move between biomes is there are these majestical, mystical, magical warp stones that are sort of – in some cases, they're kind of like revered by the locals and stuff. Uh, but basically, you walk up to that warp stone and you slap it and it shoots you with electricity and then it blasts you into the sky and then you land in the other biome. That's it. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's bad for the ankles, but otherwise. It's yeah, but you got a power suit, yeah. so 
whatever. But it's within a biome, we talked about in a previous podcast uh, that we now have sub biomes. Whereas you move out from the center, you see new stuff, and that stuff is of higher level. So as you move out from the center, you're more and more likely to get your ass handed to you by some massive scary creatures. And we don't keep you out of it. You can technically nope. go there if you want to. The way that we keep you from going there is, for starters, you'll get your ass kicked a little bit. Yeah. And also, a lot of the stuff there is not that useful to you yet because you can't collect it. So, uh, people will have a natural tendency to stick to the areas where they're getting stuff that's useful to them and where they can defeat the enemies that they approach. Um, yeah. And, and also whenever people build a new weapon or a new tool or something, then they have a sort of natural tendency to venture out further and try to find things. Uh, and then the third thing we do is we use the story elements to sort of guide people uh, to indicate where they should roughly be. Well, and then further to gate the uh, gate your progress through the the crafting content. So, like, because every content of materials and creatures, or sorry, every level of materials and creatures and stuff, each one of those has its own sort of set of content that you craft. So, as you work your way through the through the sub biomes, you're also working your way through the crafting tree, kind of at the same time. And we use the story where we basically use questing so that, and as a reward for completing certain quests that require you to be basically at a certain skill level, we then give you the thing that you need to advance on to the next level of uh, crafting content. So we, we couple them together that way as well. Did you guys ever fight the uh, Cazadors in Fallout New Vegas? Oh, yeah. I killed a lot of but I mean, But I mean early. So no, early, no. They're, they're unbeatable early. Well, so on. this is the interesting thing because so Fallout New Vegas, which has basically ends up having in, in 3D a similar storytelling mode as what Crashlands has. Um, where you start in that game is the, you know you start in a small town and like the all of the creatures are 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 leveled appropriately so that you're not going to get straight up murdered by them. And there's lots of like mole rats and tiny things to kill, you know. Um, but interestingly, in my playthrough I like I tend to just kind of wander around. I don't really follow the directions as much as I probably should. Like so, life. Like life. So they <laughs> they they try to lead you I think to the northeast. Um, like uh, that's where the story southeast. takes you. Is it southeast? Yeah, it, it kind of takes you in a loop where you go south and then east and then north. Right. And if and you so, go northeast, you're going to run into a whole bunch of rad scorpions. Well, yeah. So basically what Ooh. happens is if you go the wrong direction from the starting town, you actually basically walk into a valley of these cazadors, which, like very quickly. Also known as Death yeah. Valley. Which are essentially, it, I mean, they're huge wasps and... They are they fuck your shit up because of the way that the the leveling works in Fallout. It's similar to Crashlands, where if you're not sort of leveled or geared appropriately, you will just die. You'll just get straight up murdered. And so I found it very funny that I just sort of like wandered off, you know, looking at the horizon and checking out stuff. And then I was like, "Ooh, a wasp! It's a bug. I'm just going to shoot it in the face, and it'll die because it's a bug." And then like three of them came out of nowhere and just stung me to death. And I was like, "Okay." But actually, this is a yeah. cool thing. Because by not keeping you from going there, the game gives you a taste of what's what's to come. What's to come, right? Because, uh, and th- this reminds me of uh, when uh, when Burning Crusade first came out, in the very first starter zone of like the new the new expansion area, uh, there were a bunch of level sixty players coming in, and it's a level sixty zone, and there are these huge uh machines called fell reavers they're like these giant demon robots it's kind of like uh like the things from pacific rim yeah they're like these big jaegers yeah and they make this sort of like 
crazy, almost War of the Worlds foghorn-like noise. And you can hear them from super far away. And they made it so that these these creatures, their, like, their render distance was way farther than other creatures. So you could see them like stomping around off in the distance. Um, and they were terrifying. And they would just, you would just be in the middle of like fighting a boar or something. And then suddenly you would hear that noise and you would turn and this thing was just stomping towards you and it would just crush you. But then when you later on, when you got to maximum level, uh, if you got a bunch of gear and stuff, you could, you could take a few friends and go, go take these things down and, uh, and get materials from them and stuff like that. And so it's, it's actually not a bad thing to throw stuff at the player that they aren't necessarily ready for yet because it also gives them a feeling of like wanting revenge right. and well, wanting and to prove how badass they are by killing yeah. that thing that, that destroyed them earlier. Right. Um, okay. I think we have time for one more Let's do it. question. Uh, let's, well, we have one really quick one. The cacti God. When are the global leaderboards <laughs> going to be made? I assume <laughs> he asked it like that. Probably after Crash Hands is done, frankly. Yeah. So they'll be easier to make than almost any other thing that we have to make. But they're also lower on the priority list than almost anything else that we have to make. So so we just got to make more stuff until they move up the priority list. Yeah. It's it's basically we you know we, we need to get Crashlands out is obviously the first one. Uh, this is the thing that I have to make because it's all the web stuff. Um, but I'll be spending my time mediating the beta test uh, until we're done with that. Um, it's possible that once we get out of beta um, and are preparing to launch that we'll have some time to do it then, but it's not super likely. Hard to say. Correct. Hard to say the end. That's All it. right, you guys. Well, this has been Coffee with Butterscotch. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We tried to hit a lot more questions this time around. And uh, once again, those questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to get your question in to a future podcast, then head over there and throw it. Throw your ghiblies in the hat, I believe is the expression. <laughs> That's the expression that I've heard. Uh, and also, the questions can be about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be about uh, our games or whatever. It's just whatever you want to ask. Or, ask or just say. Yeah. Uh, and if it gets voted up, then we will, we will hit it. Uh, okay. Well, thank you very much, guys. And we will see you next week. Oh, also, just as a reminder, our games are over at uh, games.bscotch.net. And we have a pretty active community over at forums.bscotch.net. So head over there and uh, get signed up and hop into the discussions. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Peace.